You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, this is it. We're doing the top 100. The final 10 in the top 100. Byron Young, DeMarvion Overshone, A.T. Perry, Michael uh, Wilson, Jalen Duncan, Eli Ricks, Tanner McKee, Jartavia, uh, Jartavius Martin, Jalen Jones, Tyler Steen. But let's not mess around. Let's get started right out of the gate. Byron Young out of Tennessee, an edge rusher, six foot two, two hundred and fifty pounds, out of Georgetown, South Carolina, twenty-five point one years old. So obviously that's a big red flag. One of three kids, no star recruit. Young wasn't ranked by online recruit services. Didn't have good enough grades to attend a Division One school. This is just flags on top of flags here. However, 4-4, 40-yard dash time, 38 vert, 11 broad jump, 7-1-9-3 cone, 22 bench press reps. Didn't do the short shuttle. He was getting leg cramps when he was warming up. Probably has something to do with running a freaking 4-4-40. Overall, Young can be engulfed in the run game and his rush stalls too quickly at contact, but his energy and pass rush flashes lead to backfield plays. Though he has limitations in the run game, he has potential to make a living as a glorified sub-rusher in the NFL third, fourth round about what it sounds like. PFF lists him as the number 18, 18th ranked edge rusher, 114 overall. Where he wins musculature, what is his role, 3-4 off uh, ball linebacker, what he can improve, his hand usage. 67 pass rush grade, 56 run defense grade. True pass rush grade is even worse, 59.5. Pass rush win rate, 13.2%. Run stop rate, 18.8%. Young's path to this point is unique, to say the least. That makes it a little less worrisome that he's a project still at such an advanced age. It's a polite way of saying things. Uh, Despite being 25, he's only spent two years at Tennessee. His first year, he had a 77 grade. This past year, he had a 63.8 grade. Um, Ball State, he had a 70 grade. Florida 72 and LSU 82. Everything else was 60s and 50s. So not good. 42 pressures on 389 attempts is decent enough. Nine sacks. Yeah, look, I'm just going to put this kind of in the no no thanks category. I mean, again, with all the red flags of being 25 years old and, and, and I just can't, you know, PFF didn't like him. But then on top of that, you know, again, 40 time isn't that big of a deal. It's more about explosion off the line. It was weird because the one thing that he did that I kind of liked was his ability to get, you know, real fast past the offensive tackle and kind of bend around the corner. But it was almost like he was so devoid of any power that even when he got around the tackle, he didn't have the strength or the balance. So if he bent too much, he fell. But even then, he'd get around the corner, and it was like the offensive tackle could just have one hand kind of out, right? So generally, you see a pass rusher get to that point, and it's over. Tackle isn't going to overpower a, a, a 250, 60, 70, whatever pound dude with no leverage. But he just kind of got stonewalled. It was it was weird. It was like he just didn't finish. He doesn't play with a lot of passion. Like I said, in, against the run, he's useless. I just, there's that. I don't understand any bit the appeal for Byron Young. 
Next up, linebacker DeMarvion Overshone out of Texas, six foot two and a half, two twenty nine. Out of Arp, Texas, twenty two point seven years old. One of four kids, born in Tyler, Texas. Started playing football at age six. Four star recruit, number six ranked safety in the twenty eighteen class. Number fifty two overall, number five out of Texas. Got more than two dozen scholarship offers. Alabama, Clemson, the whole works, but he stayed in Texas. Switched from safety to uh, linebacker. In 2020, learned a new scheme under Kwiatkowski in 2021. Overall, Overshone must continue to develop his strength and awareness within the flow of the play, but he has above average speed to be an energetic run-and-hit pursuit player with upside and coverage. He projects as core NFL special teamer and sub-package rush drop linebacker, third, fourth round. PFF has him as the number six linebacker, number 112 overall. I'm still waiting for that guy that's in the top 100s for PFF. They just don't like any of the guys that we're talking about. Player comp Darren Lee, strangely enough, he graded out better in the slot and at the line of scrimmage than he did inside the box where linebackers go. He had a 66.9 grade in the box, 71.3 in the slot, 75.8 up at the line of scrimmage, probably because he pass rushes from there. Where he wins with range, what's his role? Weak side linebacker, where can he improve his tackling? That's a big one. Run defense, 74. Coverage grade, 66. Pass rush, 74. Tackling, 67. Average depth of tackle, 2.82 yards. Uh, 4, 5, 6, 40, and his 10, 4 broad jump are pretty solid. Everything else, a little bit that he did, not so much. Overshone's draft stock was on life support after a dreadful 2021 campaign, but his massive improvement in 2022 should encourage evaluators. So essentially, Again, five years at Texas, didn't really play year one in 2018, but 67-68 his first two years. Then it plummeted down to a 44.3 grade. I don't know what the heck happened. His run defense plummeted down to a 30. Uh, his tack- oh, I guess that's it, is his run defense. Everything else is kind of where it's supposed to be. Coverage did dip a tad. But then this year, 72.2, 73, yeah, we kind of went through all that stuff. He did uh, rush the passer almost 90 times, so he does that a little bit more than your average bear or longhorn. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, as far as special teams, since they brought it up, uh, 2021, the one year he dipped everywhere else, he actually exploded as a special teamer. I don't know if there's any correlation there. I have no idea. Uh, 63 grade in 2022. Did I mention 88 grade in 2021? 63 grade in 2022. But a lot of really good games. 72 against Baylor, 71 against uh, Kansas, 70 against West Virginia, nearly a 70 against Louisiana uh, Monroe. So maybe something there for special teams. Yeah, Overshone is weird. Um, the only thing I could think is he just doesn't feel like a linebacker to me. I don't know if he should go back to being a safety. Or was that the last guy that was a safety? I don't know. His movements are so clumsy, but I kind of like him when he, I mean, he's got, the other thought was edge rusher, if you can get him to add a bunch of weight, but he's already kind of slow at four, five, six. I, I, I just, I don't know. Seems like linebacker's his only option. It just doesn't fit. His movement sills are, it's so clumsy. He reminds me of these, you know, like, uh, Darnell Washington, when you watch this six foot eight guy run around and it just it has that sort of giraffeness to it, where it just doesn't look quite right. He's only six foot three, but that's what he reminds me of. It's just it just looks clunky and weird, and I'm not a fan. Next up, A. T. Perry. Um relatively popular name among Packer fans, not popular at all among uh with Dane Brugler. Has him as the fourteenth best wide receiver. Six foot three and a half, 198 pounds for uh, Wake Forest out of Lake Worth, Florida. 23 and a half years old. Atorian A.T. Perry, who is the oldest of seven children, grew up in a military family with both his parents in the Navy. Grew up playing basketball and flag and tackle football. 
three-star recruit. Perry was a number 205 wide receiver in the 2018 recruiting class, number 228 recruit in Florida. 447 speed. Overall, Perry doesn't have elite speed, and I worry about his ability to make plays through contact at the next level. But he is a polished route runner with above average tempo and ball skills to consistently give his quarterback a target. He offers outside starting potential in the NFL. Third, fourth round grade, number 98 overall. Hey, we got one with uh, PFF. 10th ranked wide receiver, number 83 overall. Player comp, Preston Williams. Where he wins length, what's his role, uh, Project X receiver, where he can improve his consistency. Receiving grade, 83.5. Receiving grade versus man coverage, 78.5. Versus zone, 78.5. Exactly even, that's crazy. Yards per outrun, 2.57. Contested catch rate, 44%. Um, above average broad jump, arm length, and height. Everything else is average to somewhat low, including his 40-yard dash time, which is about the 60th percentile. Um, let's see, their overall says Perry has some unique physical tools to work with. If he lives in the weight room his first couple years in the league, he could be a difference maker. Uh, four years at Wake Forest, um, very consistent. Over His first two years, he didn't do anything. The second or the third and fourth year is when he kind of took over. 82.6 in 2021, 83.4 this year. And uh, I'm a big fan of the consistency because over half of his games were at least 70 or higher. And then he had three games in the 60s and only two quote-unquote bad games, 56.5 VA Military Indiana. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> Va Milton. And then a 50.7 grade against Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. But... Uh, we're talking about half his games are high 70s to 80s, 77, 78, 79, 81, 82, 82. So um, PFF is a fan of the guy. 1,100 yards, 12, uh, 11 touchdowns. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I can get into the A.T. Perry thing. I mean, he's an ex-receiver that plays for Wake Forest, whose primarily role, primary role is to just run straight down the field. And it's like, well, that's not what you're going to do in the pros. So you try to wait and see if he can do those things that he's going to be asked to do in the NFL, and he very rarely does it. And when he does do it, it's kind of, you know, okay, that's fine. But I think a lot of the big flashy stuff, you know, if you watch his highlights or just go pick out a game on YouTube, you'll see him win down the field. It's like, oh, dang. But, you know, I, I saw him cook a guy at Army. Again, I, I, is that because he's got that long stride Jordy speed down the field? Got that deep speed, maybe? Or is it because it's freaking Army? Again, he's got 447 speed. It's not like he's going to be winning repeatedly with that in the NFL. You know, I, I, another play I saw a deep hole shot down the field. Well, he didn't freaking do anything. It was a perfectly placed ball by the quarterback. He was barely jogging out there. But again, if you're watching just the TV copy or whatever, it's just a deep pass down the sideline that he caught. Like, dude, he's just tearing him up. But I don't know. I, I just, I struggle to see, you know, again, maybe down the line, work with him a little bit. He could end up doing some stuff. I don't know, but I'm I'm not massively optimistic about his ability to do much. But again, you'd have to find those handful of clips where he actually does those things you're going to ask him to do in the NFL and does it well. Next up, we have another wide receiver this time by the name of Mr. Michael Wilson out of Stanford, six foot one and a half, six foot two ish. Uh, PFF lists him as well six two, I guess. 213 pounds out of Simi Valley, California. 23.2 years old. Michael Wilson, one of four kids, started playing football in elementary school. Four-star recruit, number 42 wide receiver in the 2018 class, number 30 recruit out of Cali. Uh, four five eight speed, 37.5 vert, 10.5 broad, 4.27 short shuttle, ran a 6.813 cone at his pro day, 
and did 23 bench press reps at the combine. Overall, Wilson has uneven career production because of his injury history, but the more tape you watch, the more you appreciate his package of size, intelligence, and competitive athleticism to challenge coverage. As long as he stays healthy, yikes. Every time you hear that, it just sends chills down your spine. If he could stay healthy, yeah, he won't. His skills on offense and special teams will keep him on an NFL roster. Fourth round grade. PFF, actually much more, uh, they like him a lot more. Number seven wide receiver, number 66 overall. Where he wins his route break, what's his role, possession, number two, three receiver, which would be nice. Where he can improve, concentration drops, another yikes. See, th- these are the things that you just don't expect improvement on. Guys with injury histories and drop issues. It just makes me nervous. 72 receiving grade, 62 against man, 75 against zone. Um, fairly athletic, his short... Uh, 20-yard shuttle was sub-50%. 40-yard dash is well below the 20% mark. Also has short arms. Everything else is fairly decent, though. Large hands, big dude. His vert and his broad jump are quite high, so the explosion, the power, the size, the, all that stuff, that's where he kind of excels. Wilson's a plug-and-play route runner who can fill any role asked of him at the next level. That's quite a statement, PFF. <laughs> you just plug him in and he plays and he's good. That's it. Don't ask me stupid questions. Five years at Stanford. The only year it looked like he played a full year was 2019. Um, But his grades over the five years, 62, 66, 69, 62, 74. And you think, well, there's a nice jump. He played uh, six games this past year. I don't, do I even need to watch this? I guess if you're nearly a top 50 prospect via PFF, it's worth watching. But come on, man. 23-year-old guy with 4'6 speed that can't play a complete season ever who played six games, 77 special teams grade, but that's based on two games because, again, he only played six. Otherwise, his grade 60, 65, 60, and 51. Ugh, make it quick. The only two games available are his worst two games, but that's fine. I don't care. So excited to watch his three receptions, 17 yards in this game against Oregon. Just by virtue of how bitter I am about this guy, I, I, I just wanted to let you know we're drafting him. Oh, and I think he's up against Christian Gonzalez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yikes. Yeah, look, I, I, I understand that um, being matched up almost the entire game against Christian Gonzalez is somewhat unfair, but watching how little effort he has to put in. Granted, one time he did kind of kind of beat him, and Christian Gonzalez grabbed him. So kudos on winning that route. Ref didn't see it, so it didn't matter. But, I mean, the, the guy is not hardly even trying. And then you look at PFF saying the guy does just not have a good man grade at all. So he wins when... It's zone coverage, and he doesn't have to actually beat anybody. I just, I can't do it, man. I don't get it. And I don't know why, you know, PFF is saying he's like a solid third-round grade. Why would you take him in the third round? You must really, I mean, the, the blocking seemed dope. I'll give him that, all right? He was able to block Christian Gonzalez on run plays, so there you go. I don't know. We'll see. Next up, offensive tackle Jalen Duncan out of Maryland, six foot five and a half, three hundred and six 306 pounds out of New. Carrollton, Maryland, 22.8 years old, had a challenging upbringing, didn't have the resources to play sports growing up, Um, didn't start playing football until he was 14 years old because he didn't have the resources to play. Four-star recruit, Duncan was a number 11 offensive tackle 2018, number six recruit out of Maryland, second-ranked offensive lineman in the state behind Rasheed Walker. Overall, Duncan has desirable athletic tools, but the continued issues with his technique, balance, and competitive makeup, especially for a four-year starter, are worrisome for his NFL transition. His projection might be best inside to guard in a zone-based scheme. No real issue with that. 
Uh, PFF grades, really not good at all. Uh, five years at Maryland, started four. 40, 71, 71, and 61 are his grades. Run blocking, 57, 65, 71, 61. Um, pass blocking, 27, 77, 75, 67. So he took a big step back this past year. But even at his best, it was 70, 70, 75. He gave up seven sacks, four hits, and 17 hurries, 28 total pressures. Sheesh. By the way, Dane Brugler had him as the 11th ranked tackle. PFF has him as the 12th ranked tackle, number 123 overall. Where he wins balance, what's his role? Versatile offensive tackle, where he can improve sustaining blocks. That seems important. Uh, better zone blocker than gap, 62 compared to 56. True pass set grade, 58. Run blocking, 62. Pass blocking, 67. So yikes. Does have some good explosion with his vert and his broad jump. 40-yard dash was acceptable at 5-1. Duncan presents so much ability to work with, but he really needs his hands to improve before he can see the field. Okay. I swear, NFL scouts are just football guys that wish they were poets. My daddy wants me to play the football, but I just want to sing. I want to be like Shakespeare. (laughs) Just say the words, you weirdo. Oh, good. The only game we have is Ohio State, which was his uh, second worst pass blocking graded game. This should be great. Well, I should have known this was going to happen. I really like Jalen Duncan. I think I like most tackles just because tackles usually win. (laughs) Even bad tackles very rarely lose. But no, I I really like the movement ability. Yeah, he kind of kind of gets whooped here and there, but seems to be more of a technique issue. And and yeah, maybe moving inside would help. You don't have to worry about guys kind of getting around you and you being off balance. It's just kind of load up and smoke the guy. But I love love his ability to move and block on the move, which is a really difficult thing to do. So uh, I don't dislike him. I dislike his grades and his stats, but I don't dislike him as a player. Probably going to be a bit of a project, but we've got a billion projects. Why not add another one? <laughs> one of these guys is going to hit. Man, that's all I know. Next up, Eli Ricks. And I'm starting to really question our consensus big board here because <laughs> the these, these folks are not big fans. Number 30 cornerback prospect out of Alabama via Dane Brugler. Six foot two, 188 out of Rancho Cucamonga, California. 21.5 years old. Elias Eli Ricks. Started doing basketball and karate at age six. Picked football at age seven. Five-star recruit. Ricks was the number two cornerback in the 2020 recruiting class behind Keely Ringo. And the number two recruit in California behind Bryce Young. Or behind, it just says Young. I'm not, I guess I don't know for sure what Young that would be. A lot of Youngs out there. Number 14 recruit nationally. I guess that's worth something, huh? Overall, Ricks put himself on the NFL radar with an All-American freshman year at LSU, but that might have been his peak because his tape the past two seasons shows stiff, undisciplined player with question marks. His best chance in the NFL will come as a press-heavy scheme, 6th or 7th round grade. PFF is a little bit more optimistic, has him as the number 19 cornerback, 107 overall. Says, much like his former teammate Derek Stingley, Ricks was one of the best corners in the country as a true freshman. And then, you know, kind of slipped. A couple little tidbits where uh, out wide, 70.6 grade in the slot, 61.3 grade. Where he wins length, what's his role, press corner, where he can improve his play strength. Coverage grade 73, tackling 62, coverage in man, we already went over that. Run defense grade a 50.4. Didn't do anything at his combine, but at his pro day, 4-5-5-40, 35-vert, 10-7-broad, and a 7-4-4-3-cone. He had a left hamstring injury at the combine is why he did not uh, do anything. Didn't bench because he has a right wrist injury. 
chose not to do the short shuttle. Ricks comes with injury concerns that will see him slip. Someone is going to get a corner with technical skills well beyond what you would normally see from a true junior. But yeah, PFF grades, uh, first year at LSU, 82.8 grade, 85.6 coverage grade, um, only allowed 237 yards, two touchdowns, had four picks, four pass breakups, 60.3 NFL passer rating. Then the second year at LSU, 67, and then at Alabama, 69. And really, that was just one grade against Mississippi State, one game where he had an 83.1 grade. His next highest was a 68. So he's average to below average most of the time, but had one good game this past year. So that is pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't mind Eli Ricks all that much. I get what they're saying pretty much across the board. The the run defense is certainly iffy, questionable decisions and angles and whatnot. I do like the intensity he plays with. Um, I think he can struggle sometimes with... It's, it's weird because uh, some of the time you look at him and he's like, man, he's really fluid and he's able to just stay right in the hip pocket. And then sometimes a guy will make a move and he just can't quite stick with him. And it, it's hard to gauge because um, you, you try to parse out, is this a really young, extremely talented guy that just needs some coaching, a little bit of fundamental work, or are there physical limitations to what he is or isn't able to do? And I'm not really able to parse that out but it's intriguing at the very least knowing you know i mean he's one of the higher recruits coming out of high school and you know it just feels like there there might be something there but there are also clear limitations and, and again i think his ceiling could be a, a a solid coverage corner that just is not good against the run which still is is a limited ceiling all right making pretty good progress today next up quarterback tanner mckee again dane brugler not nearly as high we haven't covered hardly anybody yet not since Hendon Hooker, um, and he has him as quarterback nine. So he has Jake Hayner, Aiden O'Connell, and Jaron Hall higher than Tanner McKee. But we're going in order here. Tanner McKee, quarterback out of Stanford, six foot six, two thirty one, out of Corona, California. Second of four kids, born in Irvine, grew up in Corona. Played baseball, basketball, football, and volleyball. Uh, apparently, he had skin cancer in high school. Something that runs in his family. I didn't know that was even a thing. Four-star recruit, McKee was a number three pro-style quarterback in the 2018 recruiting class, number 46 overall, number seven recruit in California, number two quarterback in the state behind JT Daniels. Member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, his father spent time as a missionary in New Zealand, and Tanner always planned to serve as a missionary, serve a missionary trip when he was 18. McKee was up front with college recruiters, but it didn't scare them off. Still got a bunch of uh, offers, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, Texas, USC. Decided that uh, he wanted to go to Stanford because of the balance of academics and athletics. Signed with David Shaw, left for a 21-month missionary trip to Brazil. Married his wife, Lauren, in June of 2022 in Newport Beach. Guy's got a busy life. Overall, McKee is an accurate rhythm passer and prepped in a multiple read offense. But there weren't many second-chance plays on tape, and his lack of mobility will be tough to overcome versus next-level speed. His NFL projection is similar to that of Mike Glennon coming out of college. Super-duper. Fifth round. PFF has him as the fifth quarterback, so that would make, you know, more sense as far as the consensus. Player comp, Kerry Collins. Where he wins timing and accuracy. What's his role? Pocket passer. Where can he improve? Pocket presence. 75 passing grade, intermediate grade 68, deep passing grade 90, no pressure grade 84, pressure grade 47. All of that is kind of terrible. Um, Even the deep passing grade of 90, everybody's in the 90s. Talk to me when you're at the 99.9 range. 
Uh, talking about his testing, it says McKee was right in the mix with C.J. Stroud for the most accurate quarterback in attendance, even though his arm held a tick less juice than the other top guys. He also tended to err on the safe side and missed a few throws, which match his tape at Stanford. McKee ticks a lot of boxes, and there's good reason to believe he'll be even better in the NFL than he was in college. PFF grade's not actually that all that impressive. Really just two years, a 69 grade and then a 75 grade, passing 68, then 75. Consistency is inconsistent but not terrible. It's 90, 60, 80, 60, 60, 70, 60, 60, 70, 70, 60, 80. So decent grades mixed in, terrible, but it's also like you can't get two good games really in a row. The only one was the 69.5 and the 72 against Washington State and Utah. But 2,900 yards, 13 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. It's actually hilarious because the uh, game I'm going to watch is against Oregon, and I just watched this because I was watching their wide receiver. It's kind of hilarious. Yeah, so my favorite attribute, honestly, is his timing. Similar to what I've mentioned about Jordan Love in terms of the ball basically being out as soon as the guy gets into his break, he's got that. The, the accuracy is is decent not great although again i'm watching his game against oregon which is not his best game i just don't have a lot of options um certainly had much better games as far as the grades are concerned especially considering this was a uh two touchdown zero interception performance i'm guessing the uh passing was a little bit lower than than usual so it didn't put on display his accuracy but whatever i also thought his mobility was shockingly poor and i don't usually care a ton about that but it was really slow so i'll say this if he's there in the fifth round and we want to hunt around for a backup development it wouldn't even be developmental though that's the thing i guess it's just a straight up ready to play backup you know what i mean like he's he's the opposite of a developmental quarterback he comes in and he's at his ceiling he's never going to be any faster he's already accurate precise goes in the right direction all the time he just is what he is he's a ready-made backup then uh sure i could see that but if we're talking like third round, whatever, get out of here. Then we get to a really interesting prospect, uh, Jartavius Martin out of Illinois. Um, Dane Brugler has him as the number three safety. Goes by the name of Quan Martin. Took me forever to find that. Jartavius Quan Martin. Quan is his middle name. Safety out of Illinois, 5'11", 194, out of Lehigh Acres, Florida. 23 years old. Started playing football at age five. Played multiple positions. Three-star recruit. Martin was the number 113 safety in the 2018 class, number 242 recruit in Florida. Says, uh, overall, Martin needs to become a better finisher, but he is an outstanding athlete with cover skills, tackling attitude, and above-average football character. See, and he's he's out of Illinois. I'm telling you right now I'm going to like the guy. That's going to make three for three. (laughs) I'm just telling you. Above-average football character. Though he offers experience across the secondary, he is best suited inside as a nickel defender. Third-round grade number 81 overall. So it's pretty shocking that we're at getting around... Well, just just the differences of opinion. PFF has him as the 16th-ranked safety, number 100 overall. They have his player comp to DeMonte Kazee. Looking at the different positions he's played, uh, deep safety grade 61.1, box grade 68.1, out wide 61.6, and in the slot 73.4, which lines up with what Dane Brugler said, that he's probably a better slot. It's also where he played most of his snaps, so, uh, you know. Some of these designations are a little bit iffy. Where he wins with burst. What's his role? Versatile safety. Where he can improve? Patience. Uh, Coverage grade 66, run defense grade 91, tackling grade 90, Deep grade 66, Bach grade, yeah, we saw that. Um, some of his testing, 40-yard dash 446 is solid. 
Vert 44 inches and broad uh, 11 1, also very good. Overall, it says Martin is an ascending prospect with, with one of the most versatile skill sets in the class. Uh, starting off with special teams, he's done it a lot. Um, basically, just average, though, across the board, according to PFF. And then looking at his grades, has been playing for five straight years. And yeah, he, he does have a 91 run defense grade, but. His last four years were 61, 70, 62, 67. I mean, he's pretty average across the board. Pass rush is also uh, the only other high grade, but he only did that five times. Coverage is only a 66. So his, his major attribute here is run defense as a guy that we're calling a nickel. And that's a brand spanking new thing for him to be good in run defense. So just pointing that out. But look, I'll say this. I'm, I'm not as enamored as I was with the last two Illinois defensive backs. But I like him. And if you think about some of the slot guys, assuming we're, we're relegating him to just a slot guy, which I think I am, when you think about some of the guys we've had contributing there, all the undrafted free agents that have come in and been solid, I think taking like a mid-round swing at a guy like Jartavius Martin, especially considering just how much I love these Illinois DBs and the, the mentality that they have, it, it's weird because you don't think about schools like this. You think defense, you're thinking Georgia and all that stuff, but you find some guys that get together and there's a big group of them that are really good. I have a feeling partially they're really good because of the, the group itself, right? They get themselves fired up, motivated, work together. You think about the coaching that they have, which is a big positive. And then you think about just their mentality on the field. All that stuff that I want to bring here. I'd be all right with that. I think we can sneak in the last two here. We'll go fast. Maybe. I don't know. Nah, let's take a break. <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M. Dane Brugler lists him as the number 24 cornerback. Not super popular. Six foot two, 200 pounds out of Cibolo, Texas. 21 years old. Born in Jacksonville, Florida into a military family. Father Virgil, who is now retired, served in the Navy as a chief petty officer first class. Mother Alicia is also a Navy veteran. Uh, he moved uh, to Miami and then Japan. There you go. Five-star recruit, Jones was the number one safety in the 2020 recruiting class and the number two recruit in Texas, only one spot behind running back Zach Evans, one spot ahead of Drew Sanders. Number 21 recruit nationally. That's pretty wild. 
Three-year starter at Texas A&M, Jones was a boundary corner, a lot of cover one, and defensive coordinator DJ Durkin's match scheme. Overall, Jones has the size, physicality, and ball skills that will entice teams that put a premium on those traits, but he will have... uh, he will be left struggling to recover versus NFL route runners until he becomes more refined. Several teams are scouting him as a safety, fifth round grade. PFF has him as the 14th ranked corner, number thir- uh, 93 overall. Comped him to Tremaine Johnson. He has a 73, almost 74 uh, free safety grade, 68 box grade, 37 slot grade, and a 71.1 grade out wide. So out wide and out deep are, are his two best spots also a 79 grade um at the line of scrimmage but obviously that's not where he's going to be where he wins play strength what's his role outside cover three corner where he can improve his footwork also worth noting he has a 74 zone grade and a 55 man coverage grade jones is a steady corner who will fit cover three heavy defenses there's just not a ton of high-end play on tape looking at his pff grades 69 61 71 so i mean consistent from that standpoint a lot of 60s, 70s as far as his game-to-game. Did have a terrible game against Florida, 34.7 grade. As far as my thoughts, I honestly really like him. Um, his 4.57 speed obviously is going to be an issue. He doesn't have that high-level athleticism, but I do like him. He, he, he plays big. He plays aggressive. And I think the biggest thing that I really like about him is that when I think about the Green Bay Packers, and one of the things that they really struggled with, it wasn't necessarily, you know, we get all the speed guys, the real fast, the real this, but they just couldn't figure out what the heck they were supposed to do. And there was a lot of times where you'd look, and I'm not going to get into terminology because I'm going to sound like an idiot, but, you know, you have to adjust what you're doing based on what's happening in front of you. So you'll switch from, for example, man to zone. I watched him on several occasions do that in such a fluid way, it almost looked beautiful. It was almost like art. He'd be covering a guy and then just flow off to the next guy and cover him and everything, and he knows what he's doing. He seems really intelligent. He knows exactly where everybody's supposed to be, where he's supposed to be. And although I understand that he may have limitations, I think he could be a real asset in terms of running what Joe Barry wants to do. So I actually like the guy. All right, finally, prospect number 100, and that is offensive tackle Mr. Tyler Steen, Alabama. Brugler has him at as the number seven offensive tackle, six foot six, three hundred and twenty-one pounds, out of Miami, Florida, twenty-two point eight years old. Oldest of three boys, born and raised in Miami in a military family. There you go. Dad is a retired Marine, played volleyball at LSU. Tyler's maternal grandfather, Sergeant Rodney Davis, enlisted in the Fifth Marine Division in California and served in Vietnam War, where he made the ultimate sacrifice by throwing himself on a live enemy grenade. Man. For his bravery, he was posthumously awarded the Medal of Honor. Man, that is crazy. I don't think I've read anything that's that wild. Anyways, we'll transition off of that somehow. Three-star uh, three recruit, Steen was number 112 offensive tackle in the 2018 recruiting class, number 180 recruit in Florida. Didn't do any of the um, speed testing, which makes sense. Overall, Steen tends to forget his feet mid-engagement, but he moves well and looks like a capable NFL player when his hands and feet match up. He projects as a position-versatile NFL backup with potential to be more, a better version of Bobby Hart, third, fourth-round grade, number uh, 93 overall. PFF not as high on him, has him as the 11th-ranked tackle at 106 overall. Uh, Player comp Vladimir Dukas, where he wins lower body power, what's his role, guard, where can he improve, balance. Um, 
He has a 74 pass blocking grade, 65 run blocking grade. Uh, zone and gap are pretty similar, but they're both mid-60s. And then true pass set grade is a 70. It says Steen is one of the top tackle-to-guard converts in the NFL draft class. And I'm, I'm going to once again agree with PFF on this. Was not a super big fan watching Tyler Steen after I just got done saying I'm going to like all the tackles. I wasn't a huge fan of his. I think I'm realizing as a, uh, as a Packer fan, I, I learned to adapt to what the Packers like. And so I like the guys that can move. Tyler Steen is not really that guy. He's a big, big man, certainly powerful, although he doesn't necessarily utilize it to his full advantage. Kind of reminds me of A.J. Dillon a little bit, where it's like if he could work on the technique, this dude could be ridiculously powerful, but he just doesn't necessarily utilize it the best. But I think he's the kind of guy you kick inside. I think he'd be fantastic. And as far as athleticism goes, I mean, for a guard, he'll certainly be more athletic than you would view him as a tackle, although I still don't know if he'd be that athletic of a guard. But that would be that was my first thought. I wasn't massively impressed with him as a tackle. Would certainly like him much more as a guard, but that's pretty much all I got on him. It's hard to really project how that would work out. But all right, y'all. 100 prospects in the back. I've never done this before, and I'm liking it. I don't know if you guys are even listening anymore. This is freaking boring, but I am enjoying it. It's, it's getting a little bit more unfortunate because it's less and less that I find those guys that I really like, obviously, as we move our way down. But I know there's going to be some hidden gems still in there. A lot of names I keep seeing on Twitter, people talking about. It's like, dude, I haven't even seen that guy yet. Where is that guy? We've covered 100 prospects. You guys watching fifth round prospects trying to get all geeked out or what? All right, so there is a little bit of news that we can touch on finally. So why don't we go ahead and do that? First of all, interestingly enough, um, been talking about the Miami Dolphins. You know, a lot of it has come up with somewhat nonsensical conversation about where Aaron Rodgers could go if it doesn't work out with the Jets, um, which I, mean, I guess it's not that nonsense. But anyways, we've talked about different teams. And one of the teams that I keep mentioning, although it seems kind of silly, is Miami. And the big thing is, well, the dude got a bunch of concussions and it's kind of crazy. Well, apparently he um, very strongly considered retiring. Now, obviously, ultimately, he did decide to come back, but it really just kind of illuminates, not that that changed, I mean, we knew he was going to play this year, but it illuminates how close of a decision that that was, and, and that then the question becomes how much more before he walks away. This isn't really an Aaron Rodgers conversation, but it is an interesting NFL conversation. I mean, it could become if he ends up walking away next year and, you know, traded from the Jets or whatever. But it really felt like some level of closure on that issue because it, it has kind of been hanging out there. Like, what, what are we doing? Where are we at with this? Another interesting development here uh, via Ian Rappaport. Sources, the 49ers have received inquiries from several teams looking into a potential trade for former number three pick quarterback Trey Lance. The conversations have been the result of San Francisco fielding the calls, not making them, with teams aware that Brock Purdy is likely the future starter. Now, he's trying to absolve the 49ers of any culpability here in terms of them doing anything, but other people have already talked about how they were willingly and openly having conversations with other teams about this. And so I'm going to go ahead and uh, pat myself on the back here because this is one of those things that, well, you, you can't talk about him because he hasn't really had an opportunity and he could still be really good. He's still going to be good. Also talked about their GM and how many misses that guy has had. I mean, this is bad when you draft a quarterback this early and it's this bad that you're looking to get rid of him after a couple of years and he hasn't even hardly done anything. And no, it's not because Brock Purdy, who's injured and probably won't even be playing to start this year, is this savior future Hall of Famer. But several things here. Obviously, again, we can bring up the Aaron Rodgers thing because there were reports about the 49ers possibly reaching out to the Packers. I don't necessarily believe that those reports were true, but you look at it and, and it becomes, 
we'll talk about this with another team as well. It becomes a situation where regardless of the reports, would it make sense for all parties involved? And the only party that it wouldn't make sense for is the Green Bay Packers. Why would the 49ers not reach out? Why would Aaron Rodgers not want to go there? This is beyond a no-brainer. Now, as far as compensation and, and the Packers not being able to get the picks they want, or the 49ers not being able to pay for the contract, or whatever the situation may be, I don't know, but that certainly makes sense. And it actually would surprise me if the 49ers hadn't at least picked up the phone and said, hey man, what you guys doing? What's that Rodgers guy up to these days? But again, worst case scenario, all those call things are nonsense, but it's still hilarious that the number three overall pick by the San Francisco 49ers, their future quarterback, Colin Kaepernick 2.0, who has been absolutely... The, the other thing I like about this is, um, I'm going to forget his name, uh, Mike Martz, longtime head coach. He did a video trashing Justin Fields and Trey Lance. And there was a little confusion as far as who he was talking about at which point, but everybody threw a fit. This guy's an idiot. He doesn't know anything. He's a moron. Well, one of those guys is already on the move. That's also the guy, by the way, that said he would sell the farm for Jordan Love. So not a bad sign that uh, Mr. Mike Martz is um, one for three so far with two question marks upcoming. But with that, I also want to talk about the Tennessee Titans briefly. Because there's also reports, which I think are complete, you know, on, on the BS meter, it's like a 9.8 out of 10. But again, it just brings you back to, would it make some level of sense that something could happen between the Titans and the Packers if the Jets thing wasn't working out? Would the Titans want him? Yes. Would the Packers be willing to send him there? Of course. The question then becomes, would Rodgers want to go to Tennessee? And that becomes kind of a question. They don't really have the wide receivers. The offensive line is not good. Uh, actually, they were the pass blocking was 32nd in the NFL. The run blocking, the rushing, the defense, are, the, those are all fine. But they would have to be doing something to fix the offensive line and get the man some weapons first. But the only other thing that was interesting to me is the Mason-Crosby connection. Now, Mason has not signed with the Tennessee Titans. There's nothing uh, necessarily impending there. But as I've said, I, I do have boots on the ground that have reported to me that the family has moved and relocated to Tennessee. By the way, Mason, if you happen to be listening, sorry to hear about your uh, daughter. Hopefully she's feeling better. If the Jets are out doing some recruiting, the Tennessee Titans need a kicker. If things started to heat up, it wouldn't be that hard to sign Mason Crosby as a way to start bringing these things in. Here's another thought, by the way. They need wide receivers. Can you imagine if they signed DeAndre Hopkins? No, I'm not saying he's necessarily all that anymore, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. He wants these big name guys. That he, he loves those big old school veteran type guys. He'd love to go there if DeAndre Hopkins and Mason Crosby were there. Plus, what are all those rumors about Rodgers building a house in Tennessee? Maybe that's where Mason's staying. Oh, dang. <laughs> I'm just saying it would be really interesting if things started to heat up out of nowhere, right? Everything's kind of like, oh yeah, no, it's going to be the Jets. Don't worry about it. But it also just feels like if, if something else were to happen, especially if nothing gets done by the draft, right? I think we'll take it to the draft and through the draft. But if nothing gets done, I think the Packers need to open up their options at that point. We have operated in good faith with the intention that we were going to get picks from you this year. If you're going to keep screwing around, you're not going to meet our price. We're going to open up the phone lines. I mean, let's be honest. We want to pick 13. You're going to jerk us around and not give us that. Then we'll work with somebody else. How quickly could it go if Tennessee's like, look, you know, real quick talk to Rodgers, be like, we'll go get DeAndre Hopkins. We got him on the phone right now. Mason wants to be here. We will say yes and sign him. Would you be willing to come here because we got a deal on the table with the Packers right now? All we need is a yes. Bing, bang, boom, a deal has been done between the Green Bay Packers and the Tennessee Titans sending Aaron Rod, blah, 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 blah. Could go fast. 
Anyways, we're going to kind of double down a little bit here in the last minutes. Um, going back over to um, Bob McGinn over at Go Long, we're going to go through some of this stuff. We went through this before, but it was a lot of pre-combine. So now we've got some post-combine thoughts from scouts and whatnot on these players. So as we go through it, we're going to go back through it. But it's good, man. We're going to hammer this. We're going to get to know these guys inside and out. So the first installment, and he's going to do one a day, I think, every day through the draft. Um, today, part one, wide receivers and tight ends, starting off with Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. And again, the funny thing is that the wild inconsistencies, I don't want to read it word for word because, you know, I want you to, if you want it, go pay for it. But it's funny because he starts off with the most positive and then works down from there. So we'll start with Scout 1. He can get deep because of his route running ability. Whether it's a double move or a little shake, his 40 was fast enough for me. He may be the most consistent out of the bunch. He can do some outside stuff, but he's mainly best in the slot. Then we go down to Scout number 3. He says, I'm really concerned about his speed. The 4.52 is not real good nowadays, and I don't think he plays that fast. He plays like 4.6 to me. He's a really good player. I just don't see the explosiveness. And he mentions... He got a 14 on the Wonderlick test, which surprisingly was actually the highest of the top four wide receivers. Then scout number four says, he's one of the most overrated players in this draft. He's got good hands, not great hands. He's got good vision and run after, but he doesn't run away from anybody, and he's not particularly elusive. He can find holes in zone, and he's tough. He'll take a hit. I don't see special traits. He has to be a slot, not fast enough to play outside. I'd rather have Zay Flowers because he's really fast and really good after the catch. Sounds like he might be a really solid second round pick, et cetera, et cetera. So again, I, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, but I can't necessarily disagree with some of the more harsh comments. He's not fast. He can't play outside. He finds holes in the zone, which I still don't even know what that means. What does that mean? Other people can't find it. They can't find the spot where people aren't standing. What does that mean? How do you not find holes in the zone? I don't know. I don't know what that means. Jordan Addison. Number one guy says he's a polished route runner and uh, and player, as you'll find coming out of college. The kid knows how to play the game. He plays it hard. He's got courage, hand speed. I can see why USA paid him to leave Pitt. Took a big NIL deal, I guess. Second scout says he's a modern-day mercenary. Next scout says he's a nice player, but he's like a third-round pick. It's crazy, isn't it? There's no ceiling there. He just kind of is what he is. He's a polished player, runs good routes, got some savvy. Really natural catcher, but he's not very explosive, not going to be a playmaker. Again, I can't necessarily disagree. He's a tiny dude. Quentin Johnston. For a long, tall receiver, he has little man movement skills, said one scout. That really impressed me. He can drop his weight and get in and out of his cuts, track the ball very well. My comparison was T. Higgins. Oh, boy. Oh, man. You better get your... Here's the thing. If this is this year's T. Higgins, I don't want everybody talking about Jackson Smith and Jigba, and when three years comes around and Quentin Johnson is the top guy in this draft class at wide receiver, everybody's like, that idiot, get, get Quentin Johnson, he's sitting right there. Okay, put your name on it right now then. Otherwise, shut up. He's a big guy who doesn't play big, not a natural catcher, doesn't catch it outside his frame, doesn't use that size, doesn't play big after the catch. The one thing he does have, he can stop on a dime. All his RAC comes when he feels pursuit and catches the ball, slams on the brakes, and reverses field. But he's not overly creative or physical with the ball. I don't see his game carrying over. Compared by a fourth scout to Christian Watson and his uh, inconsistent play at North Dakota State. Zay Flowers are talking a lot about his family. He's one of 14 kids. First scout said he manages it well, well, it's not a big deal. But the second scout says he was down to like 160 at the end of the season, talking about how small he was. Doesn't play big. He's a real good kid, but his family's a drain on him. He doesn't always do what he's supposed to do. 
Uh, he loves football, but he's a guy you have to keep out there year-round. Last Scout says, good little player, but there's just nothing special to him. If you're that small, you better be explosive and have special speed. He's a little possession guy with, uh, without any magic. And, and that's my thing with Zay Flowers, because as far as route running, he's probably one of my favorites. But it's not even Zay, it's, it's half of this class. I like you, but as small as you are, you got to be better than that. It's basically either you are something that you just can't turn down, or you're just not getting drafted. And I think a lot of these smaller guys, especially when you're talking about 5'9", 182, and this scout was saying at one point he was down to 160, this has got to be like the craziest thing I've ever seen. And it's far from that. Jalen Hyatt, straight up speed guy, has no route development. This is the first scout, by the way. He has, uh, he's all gas and no brakes. There you go. That's, that's a good fit. He's all about speed. Talking about his five touchdown game against Alabama, he says, after that, everybody just threw him up there in the first round. But he's so incomplete. He's a one-trick pony. Um, but his one trick is speed, and people are always going to gravitate to that. He played in the slot at Tennessee, so he had a lot of favorable matchups, almost uncovered at times, so he was on a runaway. Pretty much all the scouts are saying that. It's sounding like he might not go as early as we think because there's not a single scout that seems to like him. And honestly, if you listen to what I had said a couple days ago when we talked about Jalen Hyatt, I really wanted to like the guy. I just didn't. Um, it was kind of the same thing. And, and for me, it wasn't. he wasn't even as fast as I thought he was going to be. Josh Downs, kind of similar. Good athlete, good instincts, change of direction and speed. He has all the things you look for, but he's little. Listed at 5'9", 174. You've got to get past his size. I always had problems with little receivers, and I think most teams probably do. <laughs> it's got to be the exact same scout. He says, he's a good little player, but just no explosiveness at all. Knows how to play. He's quick. They scheme the heck out of him. He runs the herky-jerky little route stuff. Not a crisp route runner. I think some of these guys just like being jerks. <laughs> he's a good little guy. He does his little dancing, runs around like a little jerk-off, catches a ball, bada boom. Screw that freaking guy. And you got Jonathan Mingo, who I don't think we've even talked about yet. 6'1 and a half, 220. Oh, maybe we did. No, definitely not. 6'1 and a half, 220, 4'39 speed. He's a big and bouncy athlete, one scout said. Can really catch it for a guy that size. He can get into in and out of breaks. Kind of an underused player. He broke the school record for yards in a single game against Vandy, 247. Tool-wise, he's got a ton to like. High, high character guy. He's just a guy everyone wants. Oh, snap. So we're talking, let's call him 6'2", 220, 4'39", speed, high character. I should just go watch him right now. He's a big slot guy. You could play him outside, but they put him in the slot to get him the ball quick. Strong, good route runner, good feel for the game, competes. Why is he not a first-round pick then? I don't, I don't get this. What is he missing? You're over here talking about JSN's a second-round pick. He's kind of a bum. Da, 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 da. And then this guy's like, oh, yeah, he's super tall. Super big, super fast, great route runner, good hands. Okay, yeah, like number seven. What What are you talking about? I don't get it. Next up is Cedric Tillman. Not positive, but I think I really like this guy. Six three and a half, two fifteen, four five six speed. Said when Tillman was on the field, Jalen Hyatt became the number two. More of a possession receiver, but a big, strong guy with strong hands. Good player. Just is he fast enough? Is the question. Final Scout said, uh, people said, go look at last year's stuff. He looked the same. Just a possession guy, not much separation, not great routes. For a big guy, his hands were just okay. He didn't fire me up. I'd take Hyatt. Again, just the fact that it's a conversation is funny to me. At number nine, Marvin Mims, 5'11", 182, 439. Third rounder, said one scout. A number three receiver, he's a slot, more of a smooth guy, not exceptionally quick or fast. Solid backup, said the second scout. Fourth round pick is a slot receiver, liked his quick hand. Wonderlick of 23 from Frisco, Texas. Tyler Scott, wide receiver out of Cincinnati, 5'10", 177, 4'4", 2 speed. 
more of a number two, three-ish kind of guy. Said one scout, kind of crafty, good hands, great feel, not really explosive. I thought he was one of the fastest and most explosive players in the draft. I was highly disappointed in his 40 time. I thought he'd be a 4-3-2 guy. That hurt him, and his hands aren't consistent enough. So another guy where, although 40 times aren't everything, if the big appeal is, I think he's going to be X, Y, Z, and then it turns out you're not, then all that appeal goes bye-bye. All right, let's run through the tight ends real quick. Uh, Michael Mayer, top dog. First scout, he's everything you want off the field. Typical Notre Dame guy. Arm length is a little shorter than you want. He's strong and powerful and run and pass. Good hands. Uses body well to separate. Smart with the ball in his hands. Good RAC. On and on and on. He's probably the best of the second scout. He's the most complete. Good route runner, functional blocker. Very good catching in contested situations. Good enough speed. Don't think he's a vertical threat down the seam. I don't know if he'll be a pro bowler, but solid across the board. Several scouts said he was better than Cole Komet, which I would hope. Next scout says, I go with him number one just because of his background. He's a very solid short receiver. Short as in distance, you mean? What did guys like Travis Kelsey, 463, and George Kittle, 455, run? One thing he has, he knows how to position his body. He gets open by doing that. Now, vertically, he's not going to help you at all. He makes a block effort, but is inconsistent. 23 on the Wonderlick. Fourth scout, who's always a curmudgeon, said, Not a very good blocker. If he was a better blocker, you could live with that 477. He's a tough kid, but the blocking and block effort and the strength just aren't there. Route running is marginal at this point. In fact, I think they're poor for a kid coming out of Notre Dame and that level of, I don't know, I think that's nonsense. I think the route running is actually pretty good, especially when you factor in how massive this guy is. Also, I don't know if these scouts, I I think what the scouts do is they do their own like handheld timing and they stick to that. He ran a 4.7. So the scouts, they keep saying these times that I keep looking up and I'm like, that's not the right time. I think they timed him at 4.77, even though the freaking laser said 4.7, but okay. Uh, they start off with Dalton Kincaid talking about uh, an injury that was con- that was called a thoracic injury. First scout says, if you throw the injury thing into it, that's a potential reason why he'd slide. Just going on talent, he's a first rounder. The back, it just depends how teams grade him, if they pass him or fail him. So first rounder, possibly late first rounder, depending on the injury stuff. Second scout, he's a weapon in the pass game, good enough blocker. He'll try to do it. Said he might run in the high four sixes, but I'm not sure. He didn't run because of all the injury stuff. Then, Mr. Darnell Washington, one of the favorites among many Packer fans. He's a freak of freaks, one scout said. You go to a game or practice and you see the big lumbering one-speed guy, then you watch him at the combine and you see this kind of hidden burst. He's got real speed. He's not the kind of receiver that will run all uh, precision cuts underneath. He'll be one of those down the seam and across the field and to the corner route runners. Then he can capture the edges as a blocker because he's like an extra tackle. Is he a finished product? No. Was he underutilized at Georgia? Absolutely. Somebody that really understands how to utilize him will make him a really strong pro in two years. That's got to get you excited a little bit. Not not the two years part thing, but you know when they're talking about a team that knows how to utilize him, they're specifically talking about the Green Bay Pack. The team that had Mercedes Lewis. He's got two kids, doesn't know who his dad is. He's got like nine siblings, siblings, all different dads, but he's intrinsically motivated to do this. I bought it. I don't think the background will hold him back. Second scout, very self-sufficient, great kid, love the person. Lists Las Vegas as his hometown, but spent several years in a foster home. He's got the greatest chance to burst among the tight end. Third scout, because as big as the son of a buck is, he's not a very good run blocker. He's just get in the way, tie you up because of his size guy. He does have like 400 meter speed. Once he gets down the field, he'll just use his size to displace the DBs and make a high point catch. So nothing super negative among the tight end or the scouts there. Luke Musgrave, 
Suffered a season-ending injury uh, after catching 11 passes for 169 against Boise State, blah, blah, blah. In those two games, says the scout, he was totally amazing, and then he ran 4-5-6. Now there's limited exposure to him because he only played in a couple games. In those first two games, I was shocked. He was talented. I'd never heard much about the guy. Second scout says he's more of a complete player than Kincaid. That Oregon State was more of a pro-style offense. He helped himself down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl. If Kincaid slips, then Musgrave, who's more of a height-weight speed prototype, might end up at the bottom of the first, said the third scout. He's got real size, real speed. What he doesn't have is top-notch production. It's real interesting. I hadn't heard that, but you got scouts now saying, especially if, which, which would be crazy if Kincaid slips because of his injury and Lucas Musgrave goes before him. I know, I know, that'll never happen. That's the point of this whole exercise is to get out of that'll never happen mode and just listen. This year he was going to show that he could make contested catches, but he got hurt. Very gifted. He's just a well-rounded athlete that just hasn't put a lot of football on tape yet. Wonderlick of 30, the highest score among the top 12 tight ends. I question his durability and the kid a little bit. Said the fourth scout, he's got length, got speed, got hands. Okay. Sam Laporta, you jerks better not say anything bad about my boy Sam Laporta. That's all I got to say. We can just skip it. (laughs) I know they're going to. It's going to piss me off. He's my favorite guy, one guy said. That's what I'm talking about. He has very good hands. He's got the he's got to get better as a blocker, but he's more than willing as a blocker. He had a crummy quarterback, Spencer Petras. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the better tight ends, if not the best tight end in this class. That's what I'm talking about. Second Scout says he's a number two tight end coming in with an arrow up if he could do anything as a blocker. He's willing, he's just not that good at it. Threat in the pass game, sets up defenders well, changes speed, has good head fakes to get separation. He's a mismatch against linebackers because of his speed and is physical is, and is physical against DBs. Third scout, very talented pass catcher, runs excellent routes and excellent hands, great field. Will be a playmaking tight end. Dude, I could be a freaking scout. I got this. Plus, I mean, considering how much everybody differs, you just got to get the lingo down. I got this. I could be a scout. All right, what's the fourth scout saying? Dallas Clark was bigger than this kid, said a fourth scout. He's more Marv Cook. He just produces. I don't know what that means. Wonderlick of 25. Number six, Schoonman, also known as Luke Schoonmaker, but really it's Schoonman, JJ's guy. We haven't gotten there yet. Might be my guy. I'll just, I'll just kick JJ out of the way if it's my guy. Similar to Mayer, but maybe a notch below, said one scout. Really a solid, well-rounded player, does everything well. More of a number two tight end, uh, ideally, but he certainly could be number one for some teams. Injured both shoulders in 2022, then pulled up lame at the pro day. Plantar fasciitis. Big body blocking tight end. Uses his size and instincts well to get open in the passing game. Wish he was more productive there. He's a number three tight end with a number two ceiling. Solid in everything, said third scout. Good enough athlete. Not a playmaker. One of those, this is my route. I'm open. I'm going to catch it. Good to go. What else is there? (laughs) He's one of those guys. Run my route, get open, catch it, and then run. Freaking, well, whatever. I guess I'll deal with those types of guys. I swear scouts just say stuff. Doesn't even make sense. Number seven, Brenton Strain. First scout, they lined him up all over the place. Fullback, wing, tight end, slot. Does everything well. Not a special kind of talent. Probably the most aggressive and best blocker of all these guys. I like that. You just see him continually get after people and just bury you. Not a lot of production, but that offense is trash. Dude, I love these people. See, I'm, t- I'm saying, dude, I can hang out with them. Could be a scout. Just be like, that guy's trash. Be like, I know. You go on Twitter and call somebody trash, you're like, oh, you can't say that. He's a human being. Like, dude, I don't care. Trash. Scout speak, dude. Learn it. All these people spending all these years learning about anchor, all these scouting words. Those aren't the scouting words. Scouting words are trash. Douchebag. (laughs) A bunch of other words I can't say on the podcast. That's the difference between Twitter scouting 
and real scouting. It's also why Bob McGinn is in with all these guys, because this is Bob McGinn. He is this guy. So he's friends with all these old school scouts. <laughs> uh, I think it's funny. That's why I love these articles. They're so unpolished and just freaking raw locker room talk. For example, he's a little stubby, said the second scout. <laughs> he doesn't have great length. Could be a good FH second tight end. I don't think he's a starter type because he doesn't have great length. Tucker Kraft. I like him just as well as Mayer, one scout said. He can be the best of the group. He catches blocks. I just think he's a bit, uh, he's a better all-around player than Dallas Goddard. Okie doke. He's not Goddard, who went to the sec- in the second round, said the second scout. But he's a powerful runner, makes uh, people tackle him. Not the sharpest guy, so he needs some individual coaching. <laughs> Third scout says he's an average athlete. Good hands, good RAC. He can be a solid number two. The vibe going in this year was big fish, small pond. He effing killed it at the pro day. I could see somebody doing second round, but I think he'll get pushed down because of the deep class. Finally, the fourth scout, the only guy I tend to agree with about Tucker Craft because I wasn't a big fan. At that lower level of comp, he doesn't stand out. Wasn't productive, slow, not a great blocker for that level. He's just okay. That was kind of my thought. Wonderlick of 27. Two more tight ends. Will Mallory, interesting guy, wasn't productive. Comes from a family of college head coaches. He's a pass catcher, uh, move matchup tight ends at the second scout. Wonderlick of 25. Tight ends are smart guys. Fastest guy at the combine said the third scout. I thought he got off the ball a lot better at the senior bowl than in the Miami tape. Reliable hands. Big enough frame to play on the line of scrimmage. He obviously can get down on the seam on that 40. Mature beyond his years. High, high character guy. Everyone in the Miami building loves him. He's going to play in the league for 10 years. Well, all right then. Touche, Will Mallory. Finally, Josh Weil out of Cincinnati. He's tall and I like his athletic ability, said the first scout. Little straight line. He ran fast, but he had a little tightness. One of the few guys with some F and Y flex, said a second scout. Showing some real receiving production and the ability to be a downfield threat. It's just where you want him. And that's it. Just the two, uh, two scouts. A couple other little scouting points here. Unsung hero, Xavier Hutchinson, wide receiver out of Iowa State. One personnel man called him the best blocking... So funny, because as soon as I saw Iowa State, I'm like, Lazard. One personnel man called him the best blocking wideout he scouted all season. Was compared by scouts to Alan Lazard. There you go. The former Cyclone and Packer known for his blocking. Former junior college player with academic issues. Spent three seasons in Ames. He has a uh, strong resume other than a bad 40. 459 that he posted at the Combine. Scouts Nightmare, Rasheed Rice, wide receiver out of Southern Methodist. Has the size, speed, athletic ability, and production to be a high draft choice. At least one team, however, has removed him from his board because of behavioral issues. That's interesting. He's talented, but not a good dude, one personnel director said. That's crazy. I think I like Rasheed Rice. I gotta start remembering these things. (laughs) But anyways, that's about it. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Goodbye.